Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always, and we've got a little bit of a different episode coming today because we actually have hockey to talk about for once. It has been almost... Three Seems weeks. like the first time in forever. Yeah. Forever. So I, I'm i very excited. An actual game against the Anaheim Ducks. It was not canceled, even though they put Getzloff into protocol like an hour before the game. And I was like, here we go. I, t- I told you, we have to, until the puck is down, there is no game. Then they dropped the puck and... Took the avalanche a minute to get into the game, but they roared back from down two to nothing in the second period, scored three straight game winner from Logan O'Connor with just over a minute to go. And they win this one three to two with a mostly healthy team or four to two with the ranch and empty netter. I forgot about the empty netter at the end. They win this one four to two, like I said, with a mostly healthy team. Mostly. Mostly. I mean, the only player we really were missing were Murray and Nachushkin which for those of you who don't know, we'll touch on real quick. Valeri Nachushkin was hurt in practice or re-aggravated an injury. Uh, he's out seven to 10 days because um, the hockey gods said the abs can't have too many nice things. Yeah, he was a sacrifice. Yeah. So he's a sacrifice for a week, but I, I, I thought the abs, we, you talked about a little bit earlier, they came out a little slow. I mean, you could definitely tell they hadn't played a hockey game in a long time. But once they turned it on, probably about halfway through the second period, they were by far the superior team. Yeah, like it, it, it was very apparent that the Avalanche were healthy and just better than the Ducks. I don't feel like that's unfair to say. I mean, we're, we're clear of the Ducks. We're, we're better than those guys. It's very mm-hmm. apparent at this point. The two games that we played, they're, they're just not on our level. And early, the early part of this game, I saw a lot of people being like, oh, the Avalanche, they're, they're unfocused. They're sloppy. I, I didn't really feel that way. Like, yeah, there were a couple kinks to be worked out, but this is a team that hasn't played in 17, 18 days coming up on three weeks and playing a Ducks team that's already played two games in the span of the last four days. Like, And the Ducks were coming off a tough loss to Vegas, so you knew they were going to come out with a little bit more oomph. So I, I don't know. I was I agree with you. I didn't think they came out sloppy. I think they, they just had to shake off the rust a little bit. Yeah. And once they shook off the rust, it – if it wasn't for John Gibson doing John Gibson's things, this game could have easily been six to two. It yeah. really could. I mean, we look at four to two and be like, oh, what a normal night. A lot of teams would be ecstatic about four goals. I mean, for us, that's that's like two goals. Yeah. We're so used to scoring seven to eight goals every single night still. But I I really don't have anything to complain about about this game outside of the the two ducks goals, which I feel like were individual lapses. Like the first one, Kemper. He's got to have 
the he's got to have that first rebound and then he got another chance on the second rebound and lost that one too. I mean, that's just one you got to get, but he's two minutes into the game after not playing for him, probably three weeks since he didn't play in Nashville. Yep. Like that was a tough goal to give up, but like you said, we're we're really nitpicking because after that Kemper, he ended the day with the nine thirty five save percentage. Darcy Kemper was fantastic tonight and it was very quiet. It was a very quiet nine thirty five because he just after that first goal, he really was just rock solid. Like the second goal, that's that's a tough situation. I think we both agree EJ was a little bit slow on the back check, and that definitely led to the goal. But outside of that, I thought Darcy Kemper was fantastic today, and I didn't even really notice it until we were looking at the stats at the end of the game. Yeah, I I I didn't even notice Darcy Kemper at all, even really after the the first goal, which is a good thing for your goalie. You don't really want to be noticing them. But yeah, he finishes the game with a 935. The only other goal that he gave up was, like you said, uh, Eric Johnson was slow on the back check on the penalty kill and come to off found Fowler breaking in for a goal that made it two to nothing early in the second. And after that, it it was all abs. It was all abs. And I, I like what we both said up off air. Um, this is a game that I think last year, the abs kind of probably wouldn't have come back because they weren't down a lot last year let alone two goals. And they just came right back and frankly dominated this game after that goal. Like I was really impressed with how the abs bounced back from being down to, Oh, which they, they haven't been down two goals very much this year. So to see them come back against a good ducks team and against Gibson, who, like we said, was playing fantastic. John Gibson was unreal again today against the abs. Um, But I was just really, really impressed with the abs coming back, especially after that long layoff. Yeah, I mean, and they had every excuse to lose this game. Like, oh, we hadn't played in 17 days. Oh, the Ducks have already played two games. We're down two nothing. Gibson's playing great. But it's it's like I told you during the the game. Once Devontae scored that goal, I had, I had no doubt we were going to win. Yeah. Once once we, you broke the ice, it yeah, was. Once you pierced him once, I had no doubt we were going to win this game at all. And that shot by Taves, holy cow, that was just a beautiful shot, and. We can talk about Devon Taves real quick. I'm running out of words for just how good he is. And you were telling me off air, you think it may be a little biased to think that he should be in Norris trophy consideration. I don't think it's biased at all. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, with how good he's been and just the amount of things he does right, he doesn't do anything wrong. Like, he doesn't have, like, the the Kale McCarr skating ability. He's not, like, you know, you're playing NHL 22 and you turn his stat all the way up to 100. He's, like, 90s across the board, while Kale McCarr has certain things, hundreds and others, like, in the 80s. Taze just does everything perfectly. And he's such a rock on this defense that I feel like if he was playing in Toronto or New York or Montreal – I don't think it would be a question that he would be getting Norris consideration because he has been that good. And I worry about coming off too biased sometimes. Most of the time, I don't care. But I feel like for this, I feel like he is without a doubt the most underappreciated player in the league. Oh, without a doubt. The more and more people who watch the Avalanche, they're more and more impressed with Devon Taves. Like he did stuff today, like just some poke checks, just being in the right position. There was one time I saw him make his one mistake. He didn't hold the blue line. And I think I looked at my sister who was at the game with me and I was like, did Devontae really just kind of mess up a little bit? Like 
it just never happens because he's in the right position. He makes the right play 100% of the time. And, oh, we can't forget, he's coming off being positive for COVID less than three weeks ago. And he was one of the few who was symptomatic. And it didn't even look like it phased him at all. He is just such a great defenseman. And the fact that we have him locked up for two more years after this seems like one of the biggest steals in the NHL right now. Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, Taze hasn't played since December 12th against Florida, which feels like a lifetime ago at this point. And it's like I was saying, he's on an amazing contract. And I feel like he gets buried behind Gail McCarr in terms of Norris talk. So he's not going to get his love. But 4.1 for this year and the two years after that. That's a steal. That's that is one a steal. Of, that's one of the best contracts in the league. And I'd, I'd argue it's top five. Like, the Avs may have two top fives because Sammy G's contract's ridiculously good too. Yeah, and Sammy G's signed until 2027 for $5 million. He's only 23. It's ludicrous. Kale McCarr's $9 million contract is a steal already Yeah, compared to the other contracts people signed like a week after that. Yeah, it's, it's just the abs are in such a good spot with the defensemen. And I think we both, we both talked about this off air. We, we need to start giving Devon Taves his flowers because he is arguably all around, probably the abs best defenseman all around. I'd say. Yeah. Kim McCarr is fantastic. But when you look at it, the defenseman as a whole, I think Devon Taves is the best on the avalanche. And that's crazy to say because Kale McCarr will probably win the Norris this year. He probably will. And he may not be the best defenseman on his team. That's crazy to say. I don't think it is very crazy because I, I get what you're saying. Kale McCarr is in all likelihood going to win the Norris as the league's best defenseman. But Devon Taze is the, the anchor to the defense. He, there are things that he does that just holds the team together, holds the defense together, the plays that he breaks up in the neutral zone, the passes that he breaks up in the offensive zone, the goals that he scores that gets us back in these games, the assists that he does that do the same thing. He doesn't do anything wrong. You know, and as amazing as Kale McCarr is, Taze is older than him and has had more experience in professional hockey. And Bakar is going to still be learning a lot of things as he reaches his athletic prime over the next few years that Taze is already in at this point in his career. I mean, Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league. And by that metric, the best defenseman on the team. But Devon Taze defensively, just for what he does for the team, is the guy I rely on the most. I agree. I agree. And I don't think it's too crazy to say because I think Kill McCart would probably say the same thing. Because I I just I love the two of them together. They're without a doubt, I think the best defensive pairing in uh hockey right now. Right? You can make a case for Hedman and McDonough, or I don't even think they play together. I, but I wouldn't. Top top two, like the best D pair as a whole is without a doubt. Kale McCarr and Devon Taves. I mean, what even, what even is second? Like, like, like you said, I don't even know if McDonough and Hedman play with each other. If no. they're a second. I don't think so. Like you have two of the top 10 defensemen in the league on one line together. And I don't think it's crazy to say that Devon Taves is top 10. Like, I, don't I, really think, don't. I don't think so either. I, I feel like the only reason he's not nationally considered that is because people just don't pay attention. 
They don't. They just see the Kale McCarr flashiness, and Kale McCarr is fantastic. Kale McCarr is number one, and I'd say Devon Taves is probably hovering in the 7-10 to 10 region. And Devon Taves allows Kale McCarr to be that. Exactly. If, That's if, the key. Yeah. If Kale McCarr didn't have Devon Taves, he would have to make up for a lot of those shortcomings that a Devon Taves just simply doesn't bring. Devontae allows Kale McCarr to breathe and to be that dynamic player. And Taze, Jump up in the play. Yeah, and Taze can be the guy that can, you know, he can hang back a little bit while Kale McCarr is going nuts with his skating in the offensive zone. Or he can do that himself. And like he did here on the power play, get us right back in this game. Like there is nothing he can't do. And for a, a kid like McCarr, I call him a kid, he's 23. But for a a player like Makar, that's so important. It is. It, you need that. You absolutely need that, especially as um, especially as you're willing to jump up in the play, knowing that you have number seven back there who's going to make up for if you misread a play. Yeah, it's it's a huge help, and I think it's such a stress uh, reliever for Kale Makar. So I, we got off topic there, but I, I wanted to give Devon Taves his flowers because I feel like we don't appreciate him enough. Yeah, I mean – we give him a lot of love here on this show and Avs fans give him his share of love, but it's time, it's time for people outside of just the Avs market to look at Devon because he is that good. And he de- he deserves that recognition. And he got a little bit of it last year. He got some Norris consideration, but not enough that I don't really think anyone noticed. He finished top 10. If I remember right. I, I'm pretty sure if he wasn't top 10, he was like 11th. Yeah. He, he was really good last year, and he's been. I think he's been better this year than he was last year. I, I totally agree. I think he has been better this year. And if you told me that last year, I, I my head would explode because he was amazing last year. He was one of my favorite players last year immediately after we got him. Yeah. And you could see the difference in the about the month or so to start the season that he wasn't here, and then immediately he comes back in against Columbus, and almost all of the defensive problems are fixed. That's not a coincidence. It's not. It's not. And he's just a rock solid man. I love Devon Taves so much. So we, we can get back to the game, but I really just wanted to talk about Devon Taves because I thought he played outside of McKinnon and the top line. Taves was the best player on the ice. I'd, I'd say Taves just was the best player, period. Interesting. I'd go Mac just because I thought McKinnon was on a roll today, but Taves is definitely up there. But I, I just love the guy. I, I'm so excited to see what he does for this team in the next couple of years. Hey, if, if the Avalanche do bring home a cup, whether it's this year or next or the year after, Devontae's is going to be one of the biggest pieces behind that. Without I wouldn't be shocked if he wins the Conn Smythe. I was, I was having that thought run through my head. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Devontae's. He's <laughs> that good, and he has that kind of ability in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's nothing – it's not the question. I think if he has to make the cup final, I may throw a little money on him to win it because he is going to play significant minutes in that. And he's going to rack up points on secondary assists and assists and even goals. So I wouldn't, I don't think it's crazy. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that he's going to rack up minutes. Uh, he only played 24 minutes today, which for him is extraordinarily light work compared yeah, to some is. of his other games. He played what? Wasn't it a game before? In that Florida game, he played almost 30, didn't he? Yeah, in the Florida game, I'm looking at it right now. He played 29-14. Yeah. That's light work. That's light work for Devon Taves with the game today. So it was just a really balanced uh, effort. Yeah, in Ottawa, he played 31 minutes. That's crazy. 
And he didn't even blink an eye, man. He's just fine. Yeah. I, the, that Jared Bednar quote will always stick in my head that after games, like Devontae just goes back in the gym and just keeps working out after he plays like 30 minutes. The guy's a machine. I know really? we're still talking about Devontae as we tried to get off topic twice, but we can't stop gushing him because he's so good. I did this a ton of times last year, and I don't care. This guy is awesome. He really is. And he's coming off COVID, too, which that, that should not be forgotten. He is coming off COVID, and he still was fantastic today in this first game. He's only going to get better the more time he gets back, too. Yeah. So moving on now, we're not talking about Devontae's anymore until we do, but regardless... That's how the second period ends. The Ducks still have a, a two to one lead, but I, I don't know how you felt. I had no doubt we were going to win this game at this point. I had no doubt we were going to go into overtime. I thought, I honestly thought John Gibson was going to get single-handedly get this game to overtime. Um, but that was qu- not quickly. I mean, the app scored pretty quick in the third period, but I knew once we had tied the game, we were going to win. But I honestly thought that I thought John Gibson was going to pull John Gibson and steal that game. I really did. Yeah, we got we we brushed past the that save he made on Landeskog early in the second period. Ridiculous. Right after the ridiculous save, the stretching out of the pad, that puck should have gone in. Well, without a doubt, he was fantastic today, and he always plays well against the Abs. I don't know what it is. I just remember the game last year where the Abs outshot the Ducks like twenty three to one in the third period, and we still lost yeah. because yeah. of John Gibson. So I, I, he's public enemy number one in my opinion for. Uh, goaltenders that aren't on the abs, but he's really fucking good. And I'm glad he's on a winning team because I felt like he was kind of being wasted away in Anaheim. Yeah. I was, I was worried about him for a long time in Anaheim because when the ducks were good and he was kind of at his peak, he was considered one of the better goalies in the league. Then the ducks fell off and he, he did his best to, to keep them in it. But at a certain point there was nothing in front of him and his safe percentage started to crater. And if before Kemper, I really wanted to see if we could have somehow pried Gibson away oh, from Anaheim. I like, I, I don't know what that. that would have cost, but oh, it would have cost way more than Kemper way more. And his contract is ridiculous. Yeah. It's way longer. Yeah. I, I think just John Gibson's a really good goalie and he, he played really good today. So give John Gibson his uh, credit because he single-handedly kept the ducks in this game. Oh my God. I didn't know it was that long. <laughs> He's not. He's signed till the end of 2027. Yeah, it's a long time. He's at what's his cap at? Like eight million too? Oh no, not even close. Six point four. Oh, I thought Wait, he was that's, closer. That's to pretty good right for a, a decent goalie. How old is he? He's what 28, 29? 28. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, solid. I mean, the, the, the final years down. of that contract maybe won't be great. We're only this is only the third year of that contract, which is kind of crazy. But for right now, for the Ducks, six point four is real good. Yeah. And Stolarts has been great for them too. So they got a good goaltending duo in Anaheim. Um, but we'll go back to the game. Landy ties it up on the power play. I still think McKinnon is just getting robbed on goals. Like that was just a great save by Gibson. Juicy rebound right to Landy. Landy tucks it in. Tenth goal of the year. We're tied at two. And like you said, after that, I was like, it's just, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when the Avalanche are going to get the lead because they were buzzing in that third period. Yeah, I, I never felt at any particular point that I felt like the Ducks were dangerous. Like there, there were stretches where I they had the puck for a little while, but I was never really concerned that they were going to score. And even if they did, I knew we were still going to tie it and at least get it to overtime. 
But after the Landeskog goal, I was like, there's no way we're losing this game. We're, just, we're playing so much better than them. We've pierced Gibson. We've come back from down two to nothing. There's no way we don't. And we eventually did. But I also wanted to touch on what you said with McKinnon and just getting robbed of the goals because he sets up this Landeskog goal and he pots three assists in the third period. And people are, are just going to keep pointing to McKinnon and his goal total for this season. We've got to point some stuff out. I feel like we do this where we did this every episode back when there was hockey games to talk about. But Nathan McKinnon, he has three goals in 18 games so far this season. Now, you look at that on paper, you're like, oh, that's not very good. He also has 24 assists in 18 games. He picked up three more tonight. He's got 27 points in 18 games. And again, I would be remiss if I did not point out that Nathan McKinnon's shooting percentage is a 4.2, which is shockingly low. You look at his his would have been MVP seasons if the voters were competent. The Taylor Hall year where he scored 97 points, he was shooting 13.73%. And the year he should have beat Dreisaitl, the the year that the COVID shut everything down, he was shooting at 11%. He is shooting so far below his average right now. His career shooting percentage is 9.8. And that's being dragged down by this 4.2. His lowest shooting percentage up to this point was the unspeakable 16-17 season where he shot 6.37. We do not talk about that season, so I will be stopping there. He's shooting 2% below that right now. This is going to change. It's going to, and he had, he had what, six shots today? He had six, yeah, that's, I forgot to bring that up again, but yeah, he had six shots again today. Ever since he scored his last goal in Detroit, and I can't tell which shot he scored on in Detroit, so I'm just going to act like he scored on the sixth one. He had six shots in that game. He had six against Florida, five against the Rangers, two against Nashville, and six tonight against the Ducks. He's going to start scoring. He's going to. He's been robbed many a times, and the goals are going to start pouring in for McKinnon, and he's going to jump right back into the into the point-scoring championship Um like we were looking at it, he's still above a point per game. Like even though he's not scoring, he's still affecting the game in just so many drastic ways. And twenty-seven points in eighteen games is nothing to nothing to cry about. Like that's really fucking good. I mean, one of the things we talked about before the break is that McKinnon is on a ridiculously long point streak right now. Ever since he came back from injury, he scored a point every night. What's he like, at? What is it like? Twelve games now. Because the last time he didn't score a point was the second Blue Jackets game where he got hurt. Then he comes back right. against Toronto. And ever since then, he's recorded a point in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten straight games. He's got a 10 game point streak, and no one's talking about it. I mean, Landeskog will have a 10 game point streak. Yeah, Landeskog, too. I was just about to say that. These guys just consistently record the quietest point streaks imaginable, and no one cares. No one does. If it was if it was Drysidle or McDavid, everyone would be losing their shit about it. But since it's the uh, good old boys in Colorado, we, uh, we we just don't even blink an eye at it. Yeah, and like I'm not going to sit here and cry about like big bad national media not paying attention to little old Colorado. But I'm just saying, if we were in the bigger markets, th- th- this would be a story. And Landeskog has been yeah, and Landeskog has just been outrageously consistent. Can like can you guess the last time he didn't score a point? Just give me a guess. Give me the game. I'm going to go the Columbus game too. 
it was the Seattle game on the 19th. He actually, Interesting. yeah, that, I mean, that's surprising because we had seven goals in that game. Yeah. But the top line, like, that was just a, yeah, I guess he was out there for a couple of them. Yeah. But if, that's if crazy. He, if he's, if he were to have managed to record a point in that one, you would have been right. It would have been the Columbus game, but think about that. He's been healthy most of the time during that stretch. And McKinnon was very much not. And he's still recording points in all these games. Like for McKinnon, it's like three points, two points. For Landeskog, it's at least an assist or a goal on a given night. But I'd have, I'd have to quickly count this up if you want to talk about it real quick, and I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, no, I, I've been really impressed with Landeskog. I think there were definitely some uh, fears about his contract and his AAV, but he's lived up to every single expectation for me so far this year. Like he's just filled that void and the top line as a whole, when it's been together, it's been really fucking good. Miko's been fantastic this year. He had a goal and two assists today. I, and McKinnon had three points. Landeskog was the outlier. I think he only had two points in this game. Yeah. So and he was the, and he was the one with the gold, well, at least with the goalie in that because Ranton had the empty netter, but yeah, Landeskog is on an 11 game point streak right now. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like the top, the offensive production from this team this year is going to be historic for Abs history. I feel like I really do, because the defensemen are scoring. I I think I forgot what the stat was, but the amount of defensemen points for the Abs right now I think is still top in the league, and it's pretty significant gap between them and two. Oh yeah, I think for for goals, I think like we we've run away from the rest of the league in terms of goals from defensemen. Like I think that's just from Kale alone. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. This team is stacked, and I, I like we're having trouble pointing out flaws in today's game. Like we really are. Like I think <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off, but just out of curiosity, I looked up goals for just just as a whole through the league, and you'd think because we've only played 28 games, we'd we'd be a little down there. We're still fourth in the league at That's 119. Crazy. We have the same amount of goals as the Washington Capitals in six less games. That's crazy, dude. The Caps. The Caps aren't a bad offensive team either. That's the thing. The Caps are great offensively, and we're tied with them in six less games. Vegas has the most goals at 127. They played 35 games. They played seven more games than us, and they have eight more goals. Like, Like I said, this team offensively is just loaded. They are just loaded. The, there's no like the second line wasn't great today. Kadri still at a point, but when the second line's down, the top line plays better. And it's just it's just the way it goes. And when the first line's been playing bad, the second line usually picks up the slack. So I've been this team offensively is just unreal right now. Yeah, and defensively we've been just as strong too. I mean, you could see that we missed Val a little bit today, especially oh, yeah. on on the penalty kill. It's noticeable when Val's not in the lineup, because you, you can see the difference on the penalty kill, just people at a spot. And the, the Fowler goal was an example of that you need Val on that play. Yeah. You need Val. And he's just a, Val's just been a great top six forward for us this year. And he's so good defensively. And he just adds so much to the lineup and the PK. That was one of my gripes I had with the, the game today was, was the PK. But if I had to be nitpick anything, I am a little concerned about the Avs PK just a little bit. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our brand new sponsors at Manscaped. 
The ball has officially dropped, but that does not mean you have to drop the ball on your balls. It's time you bring sexy back in 2022 and step your game up with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to help them ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Go to manscaped.com and use code AVSITIS for 20% off plus free shipping. Griffin, it's almost 2022. It's time to ramp up your exercise and grooming routine this year for maximum gains. You know, and what better way to do that than with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, containing six essential tools for the ultimate below-the-waist grooming routine. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and also comes equipped with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. We've all had our horror stories in the past, but Manscaped takes those possibilities away for you, so you've got nothing to worry about. And best of all, it also comes equipped with a 4,000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 is going to be. And Griffin, it's also time to freshen up down there for the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. It's fantastic. And for on-the-go freshness after you leave the gym, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Yeah, and Manscaped even threw in the Shed Travel Bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs are also included and will bring your boys down south to the next level. And Griffin, we can't forget about this. Manscaped also wants to go beyond the groin this year with their new refined cologne, which offers a light yet masculine, pleasing fragrance it is fantastic guys i love it yep manscaped ever since they sent me this package has changed the way i shave and i'm not kidding at all when i said i thought i was happy with my old razor the performance package 4.0 has just made me feel a lot better so get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code abs it is at manscaped.com again that's 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code abs it is have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, the good thing is we didn't take a lot of penalties in this game. We only took two. But the the times we were on the penalty kill, we obviously gave up the one. And, you know, the other one that we did, I didn't think we looked particularly strong on it. No, Kemper was good in those games, in those situations. But if I did have a concern for the abs, it's definitely the PK. I think we're in the bottom half of the league when it comes to PK. It hasn't been great. So I would definitely like to see an improvement there. Granted, when Val and LOC are out there, they are one of the best penalty-killing forward groups in the league. But without Val today, Logan O'Connor was still great on the penalty kill, but it's just not what it was last year. No, it's not. And I think it'll be fine, ultimately. But there's there's still some work to get back there with it. Yeah, there's definitely some work. And I'm, I'm interested to see what happens because if I did have one – one weakness that scares me right now about the Avalanche, it is the PK because your PK needs to be good in the playoffs. It does. It's plain and simple. It needs uh, to be one of the strongest parts of your team. Yeah, simply like if you have a bad penalty kill in the playoffs, you're not going far. No, you're not because power plays are – they're like gold in the fucking playoffs. So I am a little concerned about that. I do still think there's a ton of time to iron that out. But if that's one of my gripes for the, for the game, it would be the PK scaring me a little bit. Yeah, like I said, I, I think it'll be fine. Why don't they make it easier to find penalty kill stats? That would make too much sense for the NHL website. 
what like what the hell is this this is so <laughs> stupid i'm trying i'm trying to find the percentage why is this so hard i'm going to like espn special team statistics and even then this is a fucking mess <laughs> i want to say I, like i want to say it's like 76 percent right now i i okay. wish i could tell you <laughs> yeah. i, I don't say know where to find it yeah, no, no, you're good. I think it's like 76. Luckily, the power plays kind of counteracted that because power play has been awesome. Um, what did we say? They went two for three today? Yeah, the power play. I think we had went two for five, actually. Oh, yeah, because we did have a couple. Two for five, yeah. which is still. That's still good. Like, you still, still got really two game-changing had, power play goals. Yeah, they had a ton of chances on the power play. I thought the power play looked good. Um, it was just It was just a really, really good game, and I – I really have to nitpick to find things wrong with this game today. Yeah. And it, it finished with a perfect ending too. you're going into that game tied late in the third period and McKinnon sets up LOC, that beautiful bastard for the game winning goal. I mean, no one deserves a goal like that more than LOC. And that's exactly the kind of goal that he's going to score in the playoffs. That's going to help us win games. He's that huge. And he's that clutch. He was, and that was that was such a great play. You gotta go back a little bit. Miko just tying up that guy, and then Kale McCarr just tip tapping it, sets up McKinnon two on one, and McKinnon makes a beautiful pass, one of the better passes of the day. And Logan top like just tucks it right in, gives the Avs the three two lead. I I agree with you. I think Logan O'Connor is going to score a very big goal for the Avalanche in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean he's he is built to be that kind of player that just scores the big goal in the playoffs. Like he might score five goals the entire playoff. Like assuming we go all the way, assuming not trying to jinx anything, assuming we go all the way, he might score like five goals the entire run, but all of them will either be in the third period or overtime. He's just in the right spot. It seems like all the time. He's also just very smart. He is. He's a very smart hockey player. Um, he's going to score a big shorthanded goal. I can guarantee you that he's going to score a big shorthanded goal in the playoffs. Yeah, he absolutely. He because he's six shots today. Yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome. He took a took a gnarly hit. And was that the second or third period? Second, I think. Yeah, it was a big hit. He got up. He was fine. But that was that was a big hit. Uh, he was fantastic today. I mean, I'm trying to. I don't think any player played particularly bad. We no, I don't think so. We've gone this whole game and not talked about probably one of the bigger stories of the day, and that's Bowen Byron being back. Oh like, yeah, we've we've gone the whole we've covered the whole game. We haven't talked about Bowen Byron being back. His first game and what we say off air two almost two months. Almost two months. He played the one game against the Leafs and then just went MIA. Yeah, he he definitely showed a little bit of rust, but he was it was still just so good to see him out there, like. He is he is going to be a great defenseman in this league and just pray to God he's going to stay healthy. There were a couple of times he took some hits and I took a deep breath every time he took a couple of hits. Yeah, there was, there, there was that one scrum at the end of the, the second period that he was in the middle of. And I was watching like if anyone touches Byram, they need to be expelled from the league. Yeah, get Curtis McDermott out there right away. Because yeah, and- I, I don't know, but he was out there. He played well. He definitely was shaking off more rust than anyone else on the team. But if he comes back and can be anything like he was at the beginning of the year, holy shit, that defenseman group is loaded. loaded. Yeah, the defense is just better with Byram on it for sure. I mean, you can see the difference with him there versus not. Like, sure, we can survive it, but he adds a, just another level of depth to it. 
He does. He adds such a great level of depth. We talked a little bit off air. I don't know if I like him being paired with Sammy G. I just I don't, don't think I don't, don't like think it. They mesh well. I don't think they mesh well together. I don't like the idea of it. I didn't like it in practice. I just it's not the kind of pairing that I think works because we talk about Kale McCarr and Devontae's. They do things that complement each other. We talk about our ideal second pair, which is Sam Gerard and Eric Johnson. They have very complementary skills and they're an amazing second pair. When it's Byram and Gerard, I don't feel like they have skills that necessarily complement each other. And that's not a critique on either of them as players. There's just certain matchups and pairings that just don't fit. And I don't think Byram and Gerard are one of them. Yeah. Maybe they will be one day once Byram, like he grows a little more, grows into his frame and grows his game. Maybe that's your second pair of the future. But as of right now, this season, I, I just don't think it works. I don't think it works. I think granted, if Byram can stay healthy, that's the biggest question mark with Byram is if he can stay healthy, the talent's there without a doubt. If he can stay healthy, I honestly, as much as I hate to do it, I think you have to break up Taves and McCarr if you're going to put Byram in the top four. If you're going to put Byram in the top four, you have to, and you have to put Taves with Gerard, and you have to put McCarr with Byram. I, I think that's the only way you can guarantee Byram playing in the top four. I think at that point, I'd just not put Byram in the top four. I mean, I think you keep McCarr and Taves together at all costs. And I'm not, I'm not crazy about Byron playing with Jack Johnson, but I feel like Jack Johnson's been fine. And like, it's not a critique of Byron to play him on the third pair. It's just, I feel like you're not icing the best team possible. If you're not putting the, the best pairs together possible, you don't have to force Byron into the top four. If it's not necessary, you know, he might be better than Eric Johnson, but Eric Johnson yeah. fits better with Sam Gerrard. Yeah, and I agree. for Byram, you know, once Murray comes back, which is a lot sooner than I thought it would be, which is might right. be like next week, I have no problem with Byram and Murray on the same pair. And if it rotates and is Jack Johnson for a couple games, it's not the end of the world. Okay. I mean, Jack, Jack Johnson, is, as much as I complained about signing him, has been fine. I have I have no gripes with him recently and someone someone has to play with him and I don't think Eric Johnson and Jack Johnson necessarily works together so what do you have when you have two defensive pairs that don't really mesh you switch them I agree I I think it's just uh, granted there's that was what they've played Gerard and Byron have played two games together so maybe like you said the chemistry grows but right now it seems kind of like they're forcing it and it just, it, it doesn't, I don't think, like you said, they have the skills that complement each other. Both of them are great offensively. I would say Gerard's better defensively, but Gerard's definitely got the size disadvantage. So I just, I don't know if it's the right pair together. Um, and maybe as time goes on, it will get better. But right now I, I just, I, I'm not in love with it. Yeah. And also Byram in order to continue growing needs you need someone who's not Sam Gerrard to help him grow as a player. I feel like playing him with Gerrard, this might sound harsh. I don't mean it to be. I feel like it kind of stunts his development, if that makes any sense. Because, again, like he's not really learning anything on that pair. Because Gerrard, 
again, I'm not trying to critique either of them as players, but there's just not a fit here. I feel like playing Byram with Eric or Jack Johnson or Ryan Murray allows him to be himself a little more. I agree. I agree. And it's not a critique on either player. They're both fantastic defensemen. and they're both easily top four defensemen. That is not a doubt at all. It's not it's a just, bad thing to have five yeah. top four defensemen. No, it's not. And it's, it's just going to be, I, I just don't think their playing styles match up and that's not a bad thing. Some players of their styles just don't match up and that's okay. Yeah. Like we've seen it already with Makar and Gerard. We tried that a little bit that they don't mesh well together. They right. just don't. It's like we said about Taze and McCarr. Taze does things that allows Kale McCarr to be Kale McCarr. And when you play McCarr with Gerard, McCarr can be McCarr, but even if he's being McCarr, it doesn't allow Gerard to be Gerard. Taze can be Taze and McCarr can be McCarr at the same time. They complement each other. But for Gerard to be Gerard and McCarr to be McCarr, someone has to make a compromise. That's why that pairing doesn't work. And I feel like it's the same thing with Byram. Yeah. Well, and we've seen already Taves and Gerard were fantastic together. It's almost um, like Devon Taves is really good. Yeah. Devon Taves is just the common denominator. Um, but I, I, I just, if we can circle back to, I, I just don't, I'm interested to see what Bednar does the rest of the year, especially if Ryan Murray can come back and stay healthy, what he does with Bo Byram. And if Bo Byram can stay healthy, because he's clearly a top four defenseman. He is, he plays that way. But he's had his injury concerns, and I, I agree with you. I just don't know if their playing styles mesh, I, him and Gerard. I just don't know if they mesh. Yeah, and, and maybe the plan, long-term plan with Jared Bednar is for them to find a way to make them mesh because you're, you're top pairing until Taze leaves, hopefully never, but until Taze leaves is Makar Taze, until otherwise. And your ideal second pair for the future is Gerard Byram. So do you find a way now to make it work? I mean, because eventually you're going to want both of them in your top four and you don't want to split up the top pair. So, I mean, maybe this is just a learning curve and you try to figure it out for the future. I think that's probably what they're doing. They're probably seeing more stuff in practice to see those two together. Um, I'm just really interested to see because just based off what we've seen from these two players, Gerard obviously has the bigger sample size. Gerard and Eric Johnson are just so perfect for each other that trying to replace Johnson with Byram just doesn't really seem like a seem like a fit. I feel like you're holding back one of the defensemen, either Gerard or Byram, by playing him with that person. So I, I I'm just really interested to see what they do. I really am because to me it doesn't work. But who knows? We may be proved wrong. We've been proven wrong a thousand times on this show. So maybe this is just another time where we're dead wrong. But I know we were talking about that off air and I thought it was a good point. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm kind of talking myself in both directions here. Me Long too. term for the regular season. Honestly, now that we've talked about it, for the regular season, I don't really care. Play them together, <laughs> have them learn together. But for game one of the playoffs, it should be Gerard Johnson. It Eric should. Johnson. It should. We'll see. We'll see. And it's not a bad problem to have. Like you said, no. it really is. We have, we have five really fucking good defensemen, really fucking good. Yeah, um, and like, and you, and you can argue Sam Gerrard is a top pair defenseman. You can make, you, you can absolutely make that argument, and you can. Byram on most teams is a consistent second pair guy. The fact that you have five of these guys is absurd. Absurd, and all of them have different skill sets. Yeah, that just it's not, like, it's not like all five of them are K 
Kale McCars who score at ridiculous paces. You have Kale McCarr, who's once in a generation. Devontae's who does everything perfectly. Sam Gerrard, a smaller puck-moving guy. Byram, 20 years old, who's continuing to grow into himself. And you have Eric Johnson, who's more defensively focused. Like, you could not have it more balanced than that. No, you really can't. It's We are in a great situation. We really are. We're in a fantastic situation defensively. Um, I'm just really interested to see how it goes. I really am. Because I, I just, the more we talk about it, the more I agree with you where it's like, okay, just let them work it out in the regular season. It's the regular season. Who really cares? But the playoffs, when all, it's all on the line, I, I'm interested to see what Bednar does. I really am. Yeah, I mean, it's like we said a million times at this point. There are much worse problems to have. We could be, oh, yeah. a, we could be a team like I don't, I don't know the Flyers who have much worse problems than man. Bo Byram's just too good for his development right now. How do we force him into the top four of our defense? It's it's a great problem to have, and it's it's going to be an interesting talking point, I think, for the rest of the year. I really do. It's going to be an interesting talking point. Yeah. So. Or even where are we at this point in the game? O'Connor scored. We, we finished the game. We finished yeah. the game. We finished with Miko scoring the empty net. Avs win 4-2. Um, another big win against a team that's going to be – I think they're going to be a playoff team. You're a little hesitant on them. Um, I just don't know. I mean, we talked about this a little off air. The, the, st- the standings in the Western Conference are honestly so fucked right now because of games played. The Avalanche, in terms of just pure points, are sixth. But when you sort by points percentage, we are unequivocally number one. And it's the same for Calgary, who's seventh in terms of points. You sort by points percentage, they're number two. So, and on that point, Anaheim in points percentage is eighth. In points, they're fourth. I mean, the Ducks are good. They're a good team this year. They've already had a successful season, whether they make the playoffs or not. I just, I look at teams like Winnipeg and Dallas and Vancouver that are good teams that I think have a lot more to give. And I wonder about the Ducks ability to stave them off for the, the second half of the season, not yeah, well, doubting the Ducks. They've given themselves a nice little bit of cushion here, but it's what we saw against them today. They played well, but I just don't think they have enough yet to hold off those teams with more experienced players and more high-profile talent for the next half of the season. Maybe next year they're in, but for this year, I don't think they've built themselves enough of a blanket to hold them off. We're going to find out about the Ducks in this next month. We we talked about their schedule off-air. It is a brutal January schedule for the Ducks. So we are going to find out a lot about Anaheim in these next couple weeks. So I I still think they're a playoff team. I I just don't. They aren't a competitor. They are. They're, they're going to be make the wild card. I see it as a gentleman sweep, whatever team they face in the first round. Five games. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like you said there. I, I look at teams as like who I would view as a threat in the playoffs in the first round. I don't see the Ducks as a threat. I see them as a decent team that, like you said off air, has beaten every bad team put in front of them and also a, a couple good teams that has put them in this spot. But in a, a, a seven-game playoff series, a, a first to four, I I have trouble matching them up with any team in the top eight in the West and giving them a playoff series. It's a gentleman's sweep, whoever they face. Yeah. Five games. 
five games. Like, and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful of them. I respect what they've done this year. I'm, I'm very impressed. They have 41 points in 35 games. I, I think I had them dead last in the Pacific coming in. I did too. And I, I was very confident about that. I thought this team was going to be terrible. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's right, just one single goal in the game does not matter the team. All that needs to happen for you to win is just one single goal being scored. That's it. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so this is essentially a guaranteed bet. You're going to win this bet. And if DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries, because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest, which is what I do essentially every single day. And trust me, this stuff is fun. And you'll want to get, it, get want to get in on the action as soon as possible with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contest. Draft a lineup. You can play for as little as a dime every single day. It's all up to you. And best of all, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now... Back to the episode. They keep playing. They keep winning. So, yeah, it, it was a win against a good playoff team as of right now for the Abs. We got a big week ahead. Uh, we got Chicago on Tuesday, which we will be doing a live stream for on the Hockey Podcast YouTube page. Make sure you go like and subscribe to that. Uh, Winnipeg and Toronto. Winnipeg and Toronto at home, Chicago on the road. Big week. Um I have my eyes on that Toronto game. Me too. I think I mean, that that could be one of the bigger regular season games, I think, in recent NHL memory. Yeah, I mean, certainly outside of the Central Division for us, definitely. I mean, the, the Leafs game was an embarrassment for us. You, you don't just lose 8-3 to three and walk away unscathed. But, you know, we, we had our excuses, no Kemper and whatnot. This, I mean, this time, especially if we are healthy, you got no excuse not to, to go beat those guys up. On, on your home ice, it's hockey night in Canada. You've got the pretty much the entire nation of Canada's eyes on you. And again, we complain about we don't get enough respect from the national media, Canadian media, American media. This is one of your few opportunities of the season to put yourself on a national stage and put on a show. I know the players don't care about that, but I do. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun game. The Maple Leafs on the road have been a little bit worse uh, than they have been at home. And that's to be expected. Um, I think the, that's going to be a very good game. I would not be surprised if the abs win that game five to two. 
I mean, with Jack, if Jack Campbell's playing in that, this might be a, it might be a surprisingly low scoring game. I mean, after the, the eight to three one with Jojo in that, I mean, we still did, we still did pierce Jack Campbell three times. I feel like people look at the score and just throw that game away and, and you should do a certain extent, but there were things in that game that we did do well. And it got out of hand with our third string goalie and a team that was just more prepared for that game than we were. You can't throw everything out. We still played decently in that game. We still pierced Jack Campbell, who for a lot of people is the Vesna front runner right now three times, which is not anything to sneeze at. You come out with a strong defensive performance with your starting goalie in net. This is going to be a fun game. It's going to be an extremely fun game. I'm just praying to God there's not a crap ton of Maple Leafs fans, which I'm sure they'll pop I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, there will be, and there's nothing we can do. It's not, it's not like, oh, Colorado doesn't go to their own game. It's because Maple Leaf fans travel. They just they come out of- Actually, I mean, are they allowed to travel right now? Yeah, I think they are. It's just, it's crazy. We can talk about that later, but with just all the Canada drama that's going on, these Canadian teams are probably going to have to play a shit ton of road games here a little bit. Oh, I mean, shit. I mean, if Canadians are allowed to travel right now, I mean, it's not like they can go to a home game. Yeah, no, they can't. It's, I mean, it might be sold out. It might be entirely Leaf fans. Yeah, it really could. It, it's going to be a wild, wild game. I can't wait for it. Saturday can't get here soon enough. And yeah. that Winnipeg game is nothing to sneeze at. Winnipeg beat Vegas today. They seem to be hitting their stride a little bit. Um, still, a, still a threat in the Western Conference. First time we see Winnipeg in almost two years, I feel like. So it's been a long time. Yeah, it's gonna be a long time. So I'm really excited for that game. The Blackhawks were playing better, and now they're kind of back. that's back-to-back games. They've lost by four plus goals with their loss to the Predator or the uh, Flames, Flames. As we were yeah. talking. So I, I I think that should be a relatively easy win. Chicago's offensive firepower could keep them in that game, but I I. I I see a two and one week, maybe three and zero. Oh, personally, I I think I agree. I mean, Chicago. I don't think it's going to be an easy win because Chicago. Well, they're not a great team. They're better than they were to start the season, but again, there's just not a lot. If Flurry starts, it could make things interesting. But I start after COVID, so yeah. So he might be rusty. He also just might be Marc-Andre Fleury against the Avs and just make 500 saves like he usually does. But I, I see us winning that game. I'd go 5-2 to two for that one against the Blackhawks. I think that's fair. I could see 5-3. Blackhawks are really good offensive. I'll give them credit. They have a lot of offensive talent. Yeah. I mean, I mean Alex Debrinkat has been really good this season. I mean, people talk about, like, oh, the Blackhawks, they've been playing well since they fired the coach. They're still 11-16-4. Yeah, and they're four, been four and two in their last ten. They're they're a, ever since they fired their coach, they've been like a five hundred ish team. Yeah, like still underperforming for how much talent they have on that roster. Yeah. But that's gonna be fine, interesting. I don't like them. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I, I I enjoy seeing them struggle, so it's gonna be fun. I I really do see a two and one, three and a week, and that Saturday game against the Maple Leafs is going to be must watch TV. Yeah, you, you have to clear your schedule for that game. I mean, it's 5 p.m. Mountain Time. 5 p.m. Mountain Time because it's a Canadian national game. So just be prepared for that. It's early for you. You won't have a late night, man. Yeah, that's a proper 7 o'clock for me. Yeah, that's nothing too crazy for you. So early for the Avs fans on Saturday. Um, 
going to be fantastic hockey to watch if both teams stay healthy and no COVID outbreaks, which I'm knocking on wood, which yeah. I'm not going to do into the microphone. We are, as we're recording this, we are six days away from yeah. that, which is a very long time. Yeah. Knowing our luck, it'll probably get postponed and all that other shit. But as it stands right now, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah. And like the Winnipeg game, I mean, we can, we can talk about it more when we record on Wednesday, but I'm excited to see them again. We haven't seen them in forever. They're a, they're a fun team to play against. They're fun. Their offensive firepower is there. Their goaltending has not been good this year, which is kind of weird to say with Hellebuck. Has it, has it been bad? He I hasn't been great. I thought Hellebuck's been fine. He, he hasn't been great. For Hellebuck standards, he has not been great. That's what I personally – yeah, Connor Hellebuck right now is a, a 9-16, same as he was last year. I just – he's not in the – if we look at the stats for save percentages, he's not in the top 25. So, for, for Connor – no, I'm looking at it right now, man. 9-16 right now, the lowest is Stuart Skinner of the Edmonton Oilers at 9-16. Above him is Carter Hart and Sergei Bobrovsky. I'm so, so confused right now. Are you sorting I, by, like, all goalies, even though we've played by, like, one game? No, it's doing all National Hockey League applied for uh, 10 games plus. Really? Yeah. Hold on. I have to look at this myself. So I don't know. I, I, for kind of Hellbuck status standards, I, I don't think he's been as good as we've become. Really? Used. When you put it like that, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, he's 20th in the league. I mean, John Gibson's 21st. That's crazy to think. I mean, there's a but, lot of good Coley's down here in like yeah. the 915, 910. I mean, to be fair, Darcy Kemper's a 909. Yeah. So before before we start sounding all superior about goaltending. Yeah, it's not like it's great, but for Connor Hellbuck's standards, I, I I really expect him to be like more in that 920, 925 range. No, these are there's some crazy stats in here. Tristan Jari's a 932. It, Tristan Jari's having a fantastic year. Oh my lord. Charlie Lindgren is at what 958 right now. Uh, he's not on my list. I'm sorting by uh, 10 games played. I know, but wait, so he's Charlie, with the Blues. I was yeah. thinking like, oh, uh, so how are the Habs bad? He's not He's not with the Habs anymore. Yeah. He's on the Blues. It, it's just, I still think that the Jets are, they're a team to me who I think has, their championship window has closed. Um, Just because I, I just don't think they have enough anymore I, I still don't trust their defensemen like their defense group is not great outside of uh morrissey josh morrissey even um, then he's uh if you if you dig into his analytics his contract is kind of rough yeah so i i think the jets championship window is closed uh their their best chance to win was when they lost to vegas in the western conference finals i think that was their best chance to go to a cup final um so i i'm I don't know. I, I think the Avs, that may be a close game, but I think the Avs should win that one pretty easily, especially since it's on home ice. Because it was in Winnipeg, I think it'd be a different game. But since it's in Colorado, I think the Avs win that game pretty easily. Can I give you a little bit of a take? Yeah. I think this is a playoff preview. Ooh. I, I, have, I have that feeling. I, I know I said a couple episodes ago we'd play the Ducks in the first round. That never felt right. Saying that we're going to play the Jets in the first round, like, I don't know why saying it, feels right and when i get those feelings this is the one thing i'm most of the time right about like my one thing is i get feelings about some playoff matchups and they're usually right i think we're gonna play the jets right i I think that's maybe a six game series maybe i I think that's generous 
Yeah. The abs are just significantly better than the Jets. The Jets' top three is really good with Connor, uh, uh, why am I Ehlers. blanking? Mark Shifley, Ehlers, and Wheeler. I mean, Blake Wheeler, maybe, but Dubois, too. Dubois, like it, it, I still would take a lot of the abs players over them. I think the abs yeah. still have two of the top three players in that series in McKinnon and Rantanen. You can make an argument that Landis Gog may be up there. I mean, Kyle Connor and Miko Rantanen are very similar ish players. Not not identical, but for like the role they bring, they're pretty similar. Yeah. And Kyle Connor's like far and away. They're not far and away, but he's their best guy. Yeah, he is. So I, I like I like the abs in the series. Six games. I just think Hellbuck until I think yeah, Hellbuck I mean, Hellbuck in the playoffs is Yeah, he's kind of iffy. He's okay. Yeah. I mean the Jets made it just as far as the Abs did last year in the playoffs, so who knows? Well, we won more games than they did. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think the Sabres would have swept the Oilers last year. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's going to be uh, – that's not a bad take. I don't think that's a bad take. I could see that. I definitely I just, could see I, that. I, I, when we were talking about the Jets, I just – I got that feeling that I usually get when it just feels right that we're going to play them in the playoffs. I think we're going to play them. That's we're going to beat them. I think I, – I say that saying that the Avalanche are going to win the Central and play one of the wild card teams – I think we're going to win the West and the Jets are going to be wild card too. Fair. I, I, I don't doubt that. I mean, just based off of the points percentage and just how well the abs are playing. I mean, the abs are going to win the central. Every other team in the central is kind of eh right now. The abs are by far the hottest team and the best team in that division. It's yeah. And like we've, we've been that way for a while, but we haven't played any games. Yeah. We got five games or four games in hand on the blues and we're four points behind them. Yeah. Cause like, it was noticeable before we came out of break, but since we had our return pushed back by another week, it's really noticeable now. Like I talked about it when we sorted the, the games played in the conference, but even after today, we have, what was it? Seven games in hand on Vegas. Yeah. And five on St. Louis, Nashville, seven on the Ducks, two on Calgary and three on Minnesota. Yeah. Like it, it, their abs are going to close the gap, and it's it's frankly, I, I think they – I know I was worried about the Wild. I know I said in early episodes the Wild were um, playing really well, but they've kind of come back down to the mean. I mean, we were texting last night during the Winter Classic. They, they are 10-2-2 two two in one-goal games this year. That is a ridiculously good record in one-goal games. Yeah. Uh, to put in perspective, the abs are 2-0-2 two oh two in one-goal games. So they've played four one-goal games <laughs> compared right. to the – Compared to the Wild, who have played 14 one-goal games. Right. Uh, and, like, at a certain point, your luck's going to snap. In those. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to go backfire. And I still think the Wild are a playoff team. I don't think they win the Central. Uh, the Blues, everyone was talking about how good the Blues looked last night. Yeah, who cares? Like, I, I still – the Blues are better than they were last year, but I still don't think they're close to the abs. Yeah. They may win one or two games in a series this year, but I still don't see them beating the abs four times. No. I mean, last year, the Blues were a, a real mess. If it was a normal season, they would have missed the playoffs. The West sucked last yeah. year, mean, meaning the West division, which is I know is confusing. But their their competition for the playoffs last year was the Coyotes, and they almost lost it. Yeah, they almost did. So the Blues are better this year, but I still think the Avs kick their ass. I really do. Yeah, like, I mean, it's like you said, the Blues are better than they were last year and they're better than i thought they would be tarasenko's come back jordan kairu's been really good and 
Bennington has been good. Billy Huso has been significantly improved, which is a big boost for them. And like you were saying, Charlie Lindgren stepped in big time when those two were out. They have more depth. They brought in Saad, much to my dismay. And offensively, I like their depth. But me and you both agree that defense is a weakness just waiting to be exploited. Yeah, it really is. So I, I do think – I just – I don't see a team in the Central competing with the apps. I just don't – I really don't. Yeah, I like I, I know that sounds cocky, but like when you really look at it in a seven game series, I don't see it. Like yeah. in a in a one game, you know, anything can happen, but over the course of first to four, I feel I feel like we say it every episode and we're we're gonna keep saying it until the playoffs roll around. We're proven wrong, but I I just don't see it. I don't either. I don't see it, and I still think the toughest competition in the West for the abs is going to be Vegas as the only team I could see beating the abs in a seven game series. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's going to be a very good team in yeah. Vegas once. They're- I mean, we talk about the injury bug for the avalanche, or at least you were talking about this off air. Vegas has had it just as bad, if not worse. Yeah. Than we have. I mean, patch out indefinitely. That could mean a month that could mean until the playoffs stones out again. Leonard's been gone for the past couple of games. They're going to get Jack Eichel and Lolina probably in about a month, about a month or two or so. By the time the playoffs roll around, I don't, I don't see how that matchup doesn't happen. I don't either. Conference, but I, I feel like Calgary could throw a wrench in there with a really good series, but they'd have to, I think they'd have to have a perfect series against Vegas in order they, to prevent it. They'd have to play perfect. I, I will say that they probably have the tougher route of the two to the Western Conference final. Um, I just think the abs, if you're matching up against the central, I like our matchups against all the central division teams yeah. going into the Western conference. I like them. And like, the thing I think I like is that they're not too easy. I feel no. like the blues. I, th- I might've said this last episode. I might've just said this to you off there. The blues series was literally too easy. It was yeah. detrimentally easy to the point where we struggled against Vegas. Yeah. And this year, no matter who we play in the first round, unless it's like the ducks who we've talked about, I feel like it'll be enough of a challenge that we'll be ready for a second round series. And then a third round series, probably against Vegas. Cause we did, we weren't last year. We, we walked through the blues. It was probably the easiest series anybody's had of like the last decade. I mean, oh, when yeah. you really think about it, was there a more dom? I mean this, was there a more dominant series for any team in like since 2015? I would argue that the abs against the coyotes was just as good in the bubble. It, and even then, Coyotes still won a game. They still won a game. Yeah, I, I agree. I and it didn't help that the Abs beat the Vegas in the first game seven to one. So they were really riding high. And then I, oof, we don't need to go dive deep into that because I don't want to tear open some partially healed wounds. But I agree, it's going to be tougher this year. But I still like the Abs odds getting to the Western Conference Final. I just think we match up so well with the Central. And there's not going to be that bullshit divisions that we had last year where it should have been the Western Conference final of the Abs versus Vegas. I, I just I, – I don't mean to sound cocky. I, I just think the Abs are significantly better than every team in the Central. Significantly better. Yeah, I, I don't really feel like that's that wrong to say. I mean, the Wild are good. The Blues are really good. Nashville's decent. Jets are decent. Stars are decent. But I feel like the story hasn't changed from the beginning of the year. It's the avalanche and everyone figuring out positioning beneath them. 
Yeah. And it looks weird right now if you look at the standings because the abs are on the wild card, but go look at the point percentage and that'll tell the true story of how this team's playing. Right. So, like we're, we're clear of everyone except like Calgary. Yeah. It, it's going to be, the abs are going to be fine. They're going to get in that top three. And I, I really like our odds against any of those teams. And I don't mean to sound cocky, but just off what I've seen from the abs this year, the, the top six is fantastic. The decor, if it stays healthy, is the best in the league. And Darcy Kemper, if he plays like he did today, watch out. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's the only thing that could break us in the playoffs is if Kemper is just not up to the task, which he very well might not be. I mean, we just don't know yet. Goaltending is a mystery at all times. Yeah, it really is. So I'm interested to see. But, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be a fun week ahead for the Avalanche and going to be a fun rest of the season. So yeah. do we want to – let's bust out some trivia. Let's get the yeah. trivia in. I, I, I got to redeem myself for, for last episode, and then we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, we'll finish up on Abs Talk for now. We'll move on to chapter three of the Avalanche trivia book. This chapter is about famous quotes. Okay. I feel, right. I feel like for this one, I don't, I don't have to pick questions because they all might just be equally easy or difficult. Yeah. Let's so let's see. just start with number one. Which goalie was Derek Broussard referring to when he said, we know this team. They ran with two goalies all season long. He's beatable. He is a good goalie, but we can find a way to put, put find a way to pass some pucks through him. It has to be. It has to be Mike Smith. Yes, it was Mike Smith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Broussard was only with the team for one year. Yeah. It, it, not even a year. He was there. He was a trade deadline acquisition. I remember. I thought that was going to be a huge get for the Avs, and it turned out not to be. Yeah. I, I, what I remember about that trade is we played he was on the Panthers. Right. And we played the Panthers that night. So he yeah. literally just like moved across the locker room. I think he's, I want to say he scored a goal. In that I'm game. pretty sure he did. Yeah. And I was like, this trade's going to be great. And he was just okay. Yeah, He was fine. He was a yeah. third liner. Yeah. I, I, I always remember that trade. Cause like I, were we, were we not playing the Panthers that night? And yeah, did he we were not just pick up his equipment and move like across yep. the hallway. Yeah, And I remember that game. That was the game that Nikita Zadorov took a, Terrible penalty. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. I've lost that game in overtime. All right. What's the next one? I'm All on for- right. Let's move on to number five. Or I guess number two for you, but number five in the book. Which player complimented Avs fans in 2018? By saying the fan support has been awesome all year. I think you guys have seen it. Was it Landeskog, McKinnon, Varlamov, or Rantanen? 2018. I'm going to go Landeskog. That sounds like something Landeskog would say. You are correct. It is Landeskog. I was going to think Landeskog or Miko. Those were my two. Yeah. That's just, that just sounds like captain speak. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. All right, two for two. Two for two. All right, how many are even in this one? I didn't even look. That was plenty. Okay. All right, so we'll do we'll do five of these. You think? Yeah. All right, we'll do five. Let's do five for five. All right, let's go back in history here. Which abs coach repeatedly shouted, "Are you going to apologize?" during an infamous shouting match with Detroit Red Wings coach Scotty Bowman? Mark was Crawford. Mark Crawford. I've read that in a book. I remember reading that in a book. All right, three for three. 
You're bringing your GPA back up. Yeah, it was either Mark Crawford or Bob Hartley, mm-hmm. but I think Bowman had retired by the time Hartley was coaching. So I, I didn't preview this section before we did this, so I had no yeah. idea how easy or hard these were going to be. These seem pretty easy. Yeah, they're, they're not terrible. Mm-hmm. All right, in 2014-15, Matt Duchesne remarked, when I get over the blue line, if I don't have a chance to score, I'm not shooting. I'm going to hold on and try to make a play. Is that true or false? Oh, God. That sounds like something Duchesne would say. 2014 was a bad year. I'm going to say true. I'm going to go true. You are correct. It is true. Mm, that just sounds like a Duchesne quote, doesn't right? it? But it just sounds like something he would say. I love the guy. Yeah, but same I, thing as Landisco, but that, like, that just sounds – I reading the que- I didn't read the answers, but <laughs> I just read the, the question first. I was like, oh, that just sounds like something he would say. Yeah, I love the guy. I named my dog after him. Um, but, yeah, that just sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. Was that, was that three or four? That was, that was four. We got yeah. one more. I can't count. Me either. All right. After a 5-3 to three win over Carolina in 2017, which goalie commented – you know, when you score five goals, you can give up three, and it's easy to play that way. Was it Bernier, Varlamov, Hammond, or Picard? 2017. Gruby wasn't with them. Well, was he? He was Gruby, he? Oh, Gruby's not an answer. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. It was either. I'm going to go Bernier. All right. A, Bernier? Yeah. The answer is. B, Varlamov. Ah, uh, it was one of the two because I knew Pickard mm. had been picked by Vegas at that point. Yeah, it was Bernier Varlamov. Yeah, and Varley, uh, was not, Varley wasn't particularly good that year. That's why they went and got Grubauer. I remember that. Uh huh. And the Hambler, Hamburglar was a, he was a deadline guy, right? Yeah, he was part of the Gerard trade. Oh, the, that's right. Yeah. He was the throw in. Uh, that, that could have been a real tricky question. That's three goalies right there. It could have been. Yeah. I thought Bernier just because I know Varley was hurt a lot that year. So I didn't know if he had played because Bernier was basically the bat. That team had the 10 game win streak. I remember that in the middle of the year. So that's yeah. what I mean. But all right, four for five. Right, four for five, 80%. You know, that's better than some of the other ones so yeah, far. Way better. Way better. We're getting passing grades now. Oh, yeah. We're, mo- we're moving all the way up to B's. There we go. Let's get we're it. Getting, we're getting degrees now. Oh, yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. So. For next episode, chapter four will be catchy nicknames. Oh, okay. That'll be tough. Considering I just call every player like their name at a Y to the end. Yeah. So. Looking through this, this is not hard. You'll be fine. All right. All right. So you got nothing to worry about. All right. We'll save it for Wednesday. All right. So I got nothing else if you wanted to add something. Nope. I'm good, man. Just it's so great to have abs hockey back. It was so um, great. Look how day. long we went. Like we went, we went well over an hour again, just, just shooting this shit again. After yeah. what was that? Three or four straight episodes of fucking nothing. Yeah. This is That's so much better. Yeah. This is, it was so great to actually talk about games and games that have been on. Um, we didn't talk much about the winter classic. It was, it was cool. It was cold, very cold. But Shout out to tell all. you all about it. Yeah, shout out to all the uh, women Olympians who made the team. Uh, bold prediction, I got USA over Canada in the Olympics. Oh, are you sure? That's real, that's kind of that's kind of stepping out on a limb there, Christian. I'm, I'm stepping out on the are limb. You will, are you really willing to put your neck out there like that? Yes. It's such a yeah. bold take. Yes, I think we may have to do a live stream for a couple of US women's games because that will be we'll significant. That'll be significantly more enjoyable to watch than the men's tournament. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's, I mean, it depends on how many of the rescheduled games are, but we'll have like what seven abs games over the course of like three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. The women's national hockey team, uh, JT Confer's sister, Jesse Confer is playing. So I saw that. That'll be good. She made the team. Nicole Hensley, the goaltender from Colorado, will be on the team. I believe Hillary Knight made the team again, too. So, oh, that's good. You know, you love a good underdog story. I know. Picking one of the top two teams in the world to win it. But I, I, I'm going out on the limb. I got USA over Canada in the gold medal game. I'm going to say 3 2 in overtime. All right. Before we've even seen any games. That, right, hey, man. Shooting from the hip. All right. <laughs> So I think we've just about covered everything for this episode and we'll be back on Thursday with another game to talk about. Knock on wood. No, hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Make sure you check out our live stream of the game. Yeah. Yeah, We've had our past two canceled. So that that could be a bad omen for the game. (laughs) I mean, let's let's not play one game and get cocky that all of a sudden we're not going to have any games postponed ever again. That's true. Uh, we still got to get there first, but assuming it does happen, we will be doing our live stream for it. And the game is exclusively on ESPN Plus. So if you do not have ESPN Plus and do not want to show up the big bucks to watch it, come hang out with us for a little while. You know, we're, we're not going to have the, the game on the screen, but we'll just be there talking, talking you through the game. We'll have the stats up there and everything. Just hanging out, having a good time. The live streams are always funny. You can hang out with some of our regulars in the chat and just have a good time we have a blast doing them so if you have time make sure you uh, check it out yeah so that'll do it for us on this edition of the teledabs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network sponsored by DraftKings and manscaped use code thpm when you sign up for DraftKings for exclusive offers and code abs it is at manscaped for 20 percent off plus free shipping and thank you all so much for tuning in as always we just finished 2021 happy new year by the way we kind of glanced right over that happy 2022 crazy to think about yeah and we finished the year 2021 our first full year of the podcast which very crazy to think i know we did our whole one year anniversary thing a couple episodes ago but when you really think about it i did what like six episodes in 2020 i don't don't even i don't really even count 2020 all that much for the show because i did like i started on like the 18th of december But yeah, we finished our first full year of the show and I can't wait to see what 2022 will bring forth now that we've got a a full functioning show. And now it's not just me rambling on for half an hour. We got a full functioning host and co-host dynamic. It's crazy. A lot of fun and happy new year abs fans and hope that we can be hoisting the cup in a couple years or a couple months in July. Rock and roll. Fingers crossed, man. All right. So thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Bolay. And if you want to follow the show, follow us at Tell It Abs It Is. We'll be doing some giveaways here in the coming days. Also just general updates on the show, live tweeting games, all the fun stuff. If you want to just hang out with us or if you have any questions you want to send our way, you want us to answer on the show, send us to our DMs, stuff like that. We'll love to do some some Q&As at some point in the future. Yeah, we do have, I, I can confirm the next ticket giveaway will be January 22nd when the Avalanche hosts the Montreal Canadiens. So that is my girlfriend's birthday. So I promised her I'd take a night off from Avs hockey and spend the day with her. So mm. I can confirm that will be the next ticket giveaway is January 22nd. 
That is a podcast exclusive. Yes. You can yes. set your alarm so you can be first in line for the WA Classic. Oh, yeah. Maybe he'll be GM by then. Who knows? Who knows? He might be. He might he's, be. He's definitely thrown enough of a fit with the Habs to yeah. labor for it at this point. Who knows with that guy? Oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah, just make sure you follow the show. And we'll we'll announce the we'll announce the giveaway here in the the coming days. Yep. So thank you so much to everyone for tuning into this episode. Follow us on Twitter and keep up with the giveaway. And we will catch you all next time when we talk about the Blackhawks game and whatever else has happened over the course of the next couple of days. Because I'm sure something's going to happen. Because it's just oh, yeah. it's, it's just not quiet in the NHL ever. So will happen. Yeah, something will happen. We'll catch you guys then. Hope to see you on our live stream. We will catch you all on Thursday. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week and happy new year.